0: hello and welcome to the no holds barred witchcraft podcast this is an episode from way back when a blessing in disguise it says chris an indirect approach to magical workings so what comes to mind if i say an indirect approach to magical workings or magic in general
1: well i'm a bit gutted because a blessing in disguise i just thought you were talking about me
0: Mm.
1: rude Um, indirect methods of working well there's there's the (laughs) there's the um, I kind of feel like you need to split it into the kind of hex to hex to heel is is one of those ones where people Mm -hmm. would probably consider that to be the direct route in in the sense that directness often comes with attack something Mm. um i feel so i feel like the indirect route um still potentially hex to heel still applies i just don't think people see it in the way that they probably should so i think indirect suggests that the least the least obvious route which starts to kind of contradict what we often talk about which is that magic will take the most efficient route. So
0: magic does factor that in but the person themselves doesn't necessarily need to so the magical operator doesn't need to because to a certain extent you could be saying they means thinking outside of the box and a lot of practitioners in order to overcome obstacles and things need to work outside of the box if you're able if you're wanting to uh work magic on another practitioner that's at the same sort of level as you or maybe even higher then you really need to think outside of the box for that take the long route like what the sas do is when they go and uh, you know they would go and take the point of attack that would least you'd least suspect if there's a nice little road or something like that they won't march down the road knock on the front gate they'll like scale down the mountainside or something like that behind that's the sort of thing um so for me a blessing in disguise to a certain extent i think the first thing that comes to mind is um surprise attacks (laughs) surprise attacks yeah to a certain extent, I suppose you say that um, I'd say trying to disguise what you're actually doing. So multi-layered magic as well. So people you expect much like when you do the whole um, protective measure of using a mask or something like that, you expect them to trace the spell back, you expect them to trace the spell back to a mask or an egregore, or a fake person owner or something like that, so that you that you self hide behind that. That's to a certain extent what I'm kind of getting at. Um, But at the same time, blessed in disguise, I think of like a lot of these like films that you get, uh, pop cultural magic and stuff where you've got oh, some nasty person was really rude to a witch. So the witch curses them to be really, really ugly. And then they have to fall in love and someone needs to love them in order to undo the curse and that they will not kind of like Beauty and the Beast style shit. Um, you know that kind of thing because that's a blessing in disguise in that well they were vain and nasty and stuff and not very nice to everyone and then all of a sudden they're ugly which is terrible or they got the plague or something and that's bad but at the same time they find love and then they will live happily ever after so that is to a certain extent a blessing in disguise because it's something horrible that ends up becoming something good long term much like a lot of the little quests and situations we put some of our mentees on is a little bit of suffering at the current that you don't think you're going to get till but eventually you all look back and you think oh look at this mountain i've scaled i mean the journey up was shit and the journey back down again will be shit but it's so pretty at the top and picturesque
1: there is there is an aspect of that kind of beauty and the beast kind of approach though that is designed about the struggle that's involved in order to become a better something Mm. so that kind of pressure makes diamonds and the change of perspective is often Mm. required in order for you to grow Mm. as a person so i kind of you know a big a big part of that is you know um in order for um a plant to have a strong stem it needs to battle with the wind uh, mm. it's part and parcel what is required in order to make struggle makes things stronger mm. that kind of dialogue um which you know has a lot of truth in it i think part of the problem with the kind of um snowflake generation
0: <sighs> you're saying uh, it Chris. you can't talk about the snowflake generation it triggers people
1: is where they was is where they struggle with the concept of actually having to earn knowledge, and where we get accused of gatekeeping, is mm-hmm. down to that kind of point of kind of going actually, it's some of these lessons you can't um, read about; they have to be done. Um, I think astral travel is one of those where people. Um, want it to be formulaic they mm. want there to be a i do this step and then i do that step mm. and I, I i get to the astral um what they forget is obviously the fact that the everybody's astral body like your actual human body because it's a mirror of each other believe it or not um occult gnosis or
0: something is that something <laughs> people should be writing down with their note taken Possibly. you know some of them were taking notes should they be writing that down and underlining it
1: well probably you know hermetic oh. law and all that as above oh. so below um kind of says that you should be considering well actually you know how different the physical body is from person to person therefore you should expect an energetic shift oh. to have to be as unique um whereas they don't want things to be formulaic mm. they don't want uh you know they don't want things to be that obvious um they want there to be a nice simple i do this and then i do that and then i'm there mm. um and because in the way in which our education system which we go on and on about all the time in the west is that kind of they expect they want to be able to predict an outcome they want to know how something is going to manifest based on the, you know, blue and green, um, you know, a, you're going to get a darker green. They like the idea that when you additively mix things, you're going to get a specific set of outcomes. Mm. And I think what, particularly when it comes to this astral point um, of kind of moving through. Then there is a certain amount of struggle and figuring out that has to happen. Mm. It's a challenge for a reason. Mm. Um, we're not being difficult just for the sake of being difficult.
0: Sometimes
1: it is we are. We often are. But for something like that, people just need to get into their heads. Actually, this is different for everybody. Mm. Um, I think it, the what made me think about that is because we were talking about it with a mentee this morning about you know um how a lot of spellcraft is sold in that way Mm. here are guaranteed results x amount um and with a lot of spellcraft there are certain levels of perfect that can be achieved um spellcraft is very different to altered states. So going through a series of, you know, different kinds of altered states, they are individualized because they are experiences. Mm. There is a cognitive processing part that has to happen, which means, you know, no two people on the same LSD are going to have the same trip, you know? Mm. It's because that has to interact with the the, the chemicals in your own body and how your body takes that in. Why would they expect magic to be any different? You have a unique makeup. Therefore, mm. when when that astral state is combined with your physical state, your comprehension of that is going to be. Yes, there'll be an algorithm to it in the sense that there is a kind of, you know, this composition with that composition will create this. But no one knows that because no one's actually sat down and worked out what that comprehension is because it's too big Mm. it's kind of you know supercomputer algorithm level ai prediction is what we're talking about in order to get how individualized those compositions are
0: right so i have something for you to process in a cognitive way in the form of a question right (laughs) now there's this thing because you talked about hermetic right Mm -hmm. so doctor who's sonic screwdriver can undo a hermetic seal can it but would it be able to break a hermetic law i can the hermetic laws be broken are they just bullshit (laughs) oh sorry like
1: I got too tied into the Doctor Who aspect of that (laughs) and not enough into the magical aspect of the question. Okay. Well,
0: Answer both questions. Can Doctor Who's sonic screwdriver undo a hermetic law and are hermetic laws laws or are they bullshit? Because this would be proper occult gnosis that people will copy onto notepaper and underline if Chris were to say something about language, (laughs) the hermetic laws are not really Thing,
1: I, I don't. I feel like people should have to pay for that answer, really. And I feel it's wrong that we should be asking that question on this side. Of, this should. This is a naughty zone kind of question. Shall but I ask you again? In I'll minutes. Answer, no, I'll answer. I'll answer it anyway, okay. in a loose way, and then oh. maybe we can go a bit further later. Mm. So, like the laws of physics. Um everything can be bent to a certain extent you cannot i cannot change the laws of physics captain <laughs> <laughs> so you can bet like lots of people talk about breaking rules yeah well often often you're not breaking a rule uh, you're making an exception now an exception is bending it's a flexibility mm. it's a loophole mm. those those are all operating within the the kind of solid law that is there mm. um, by allowing for its flexibility so that's kind of legal law so then apply that how we consider kind of physics how we consider hermetic law both of those have their bending mm. but ultimately in order to make something completely new some of them actually need to be broken mm. So I don't like them because we talk about them a lot of the time to kind of reinforce a person's understanding. I think like in the way that we talk about physics exponentially, so when we go, you know, we talk about solids, liquids, and gases, um, and uh, you know, that kind of schooling way of you kind of, you have to have a foundation in this before you can break that to understand the next stage yeah i i feel like the hermetics are like that i feel like they are a certain level of understanding that once you get past them they appear to be a load of bollocks but they are a necessary step to getting to the next level of understanding have i circumvented that quickly enough
0: I think the solids and liquids and gases is sometimes you think it's going to come out in gas form and you actually you follow through and it comes out in solid
1: form. Why, why do you have to make that a, oh, a sorry, crude, we
0: can go back to talking about Dr Hill. A disgusting
1: crudeness <laughs> That's my bit. That you feel that's, necessary.
0: That's takeaway bit. No one cares about the other stuff. The only stuff they remember is poo jokes.
1: Oh, I <laughs> hate toilet you, the
0: sky, you really <laughs> So the Hermetic laws and such like that are obviously man-made and woo-man-made and they-made and whatever. People-made, right? They're people-made. Yeah. So they're kind of based on observations and people trying to structure, try to work out structure and that to the universe. I have something for people to ponder, right? Because if I break the law, like I don't know, I go really, really fast in speed as I've done on numerous occasions. If no one's a looking, I get away with it. <laughs> like if you tweak a little bit of the laws and such within the foundations and the fabric of the universe and that, which is do that all the time, don't they? When they cast spells and stuff like that, they They change outcomes and they reconnect things so that the marble on the marble run don't come out that exit, it comes out of a different one. In which case it means that they end up manifesting money or whatever it is the fuck they're trying to manifest in their spell casting. Uh so that happens all the time, rejigging and kind of bending as to what's supposed to happen and such. However, when I go through the speed camera or where I go really fast down that one road with the hill where that fucking cunt of a police officer likes to park his little fucking tripod with his camera on, and then I get what's called done, isn't it? I get done, which means I get a fucking speeding ticket. Now, that is merely because of the Gestapo, the powers that be. they no test in it. So Chris, when someone does something really big in the universe and that, like tries to break these laws and stuff, is it the fact that they're unbreakable or is it just the fact they might attract attention from bigger things that try to get in the way because they're bastards and they're there too? What was it they say? Oh, you know, enforce this laws, which is there for public decency and public, um, safety and all that kind of thing i mean is it to stop the universe from being destabilized and that is that what all these hermetic laws are useful can you dissolve them completely is it really that they can't be dissolved or is it that when you try to pour liquids on it and burn it that someone come along and slap handcuffs on you what up with that tell us that is this all just a blessing in disguise, in the fact that we are <laughs> doing the comic stuff, but actually there's something profound behind it. I,
1: I like how many of these blessings you're trying to uh, interpretations of blessing in disguise that you're trying to fit in this. Mm. It's almost like you're making an actual effort for a change. No, I, uh, I don't yeah. tend to do a lot of effort. So I'm not going to justify your speeding sorry if that's what you wanted me to do i'm not going to do that um what i am going to say is yes to the the concept of you know it's one of those if a tree falls down in the woods Mm -hmm. and there's nobody around to hear it does it make a sound Mm -hmm. so you know it is that kind of going actually if no one caught you doing it um no one's going to enforce it the rule mm. that you are talking about. Um, now I think that specifically kind of plays with the, the idea of these laws um being almost legal. That kind mm. of gives, gives that legal slant, doesn't it? Of somebody has decided these are these are the rules. Well again, you also pointed out quite helpfully um that these are rules that we designed and i don't Mm. mean me and liam we're very good at making rules up but that's uh, the hermetic ones i'm not taking credit for um and they are based on like you say observation Mm. so they believe that because they've seen something happen enough times therefore um one plus two is is three mm. so you know there is that kind of like this happens then that happens therefore this this is the general rule um and i think that's how they have to be observed really is they are general rules so you know 99.9 times you try that um you are going to get the same response mm. Whereas I think what people want you to say is that no, these are these are infallible, and you can't mm. possibly you can't possibly change those things. Mm. Well, actually, you know, we also see that happen all the time. You know, um, we bend time every day in just our experience of it, um, because actually, um, they the kind of time aspect doesn't really exist. It's an illusion created for us to comprehend what is happening. That's why when you're having a, a good day, it happens really, really fast. And that's why when you're having a really shit day and you're doing something you really hate doing, it feels like it lasts 20 years. Um,
0: but the atomic clock said that it were the same crafts. The atomic clock said yes yeah now these hermetic laws and other such laws and such like that are they a blessing in disguise in that at least they provide some kind of structure that either gives you something that you can go by and you have to break the rules because breaking the laws is breaking the laws and breaking the rules can be fun it can also be very 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 educational if there was such magical laws and stuff like this old karma bullshit that they think that oh I cannot do bad things or bad things will happen to me tell that to Jimmy Savile you can't he's dead he got away with it so you know that kind of thing is like well look for exceptions to the rules or exceptions to the laws and such like that and then when you find exceptions then you have to rework the laws i was told by a psychologist that humans are the human psyche is very fragile and that it really really struggles with a lot of things that are very scary like big things without structure and that very scary the fact that there may not be a god very scary the fact that what will we do if we don't have laws and such very scary the fact that there's no such real thing as like ethics and morality and then one really fucking gives a shit quite scary free-for-all it would be turmoil be terrible it's like well wait a minute the only reason we have these ethics and morality in such like that is because it's 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 not real they're written down and stuff but not everyone subscribes to them therefore they are not universal laws and real it's something that you subscribe to whether it's consciously or unconsciously a lot of people think about of this "Thou shall not murder and that we can obviously put that one on the table about murdering because murder is bad, and yet there's lots of people murderers out there that don't have a problem with it. It's not if, like they everyone...
1: unif- if they were universal, if were universal laws, every mm. every company, every country in the world would mm. have the same set. Mm. So, because it would that would truly be universal in the sense yeah. that. But what we actually do is we create rules in order to coexist. Mm so to comfortably coexist with other other human beings we have to create a code of conduct and not kill our neighbors you know so the there are general assumptions that have to be made and then those ones have to get whittled and whittled down until they you know we get some solid coherent understanding Mm -hmm. so the hermetic laws are there purely to try and understand and make sense of how the universe works
0: Mm.
1: uh, in the same way that the laws of physics are but they're constantly Mm. redefined all the time um there was a a recent one really uh, um a recent discovery recently where they were looking at um with a new kind of telescope um i'm hoping i didn't dream this up um they were looking at where they found older universes that shouldn't Mm exist by the rules in which they have had previously ascribed which says there are universes out there that Mm. were essentially fully formed Mm. sooner after the big bang than we are Mm. so therefore there is a kind you know a speed process that they Mm. hadn't factored in that says well actually those older universes shouldn't shouldn't exist those... of course they should
0: don't they understand
1: fourth dimensional living and they don't
0: well,
1: so but they, that's what then hinders the way in which they perceive what they're looking at mm-hmm. so they look at something and they go okay well that doesn't make sense what well, it only doesn't make sense if you are restricted by these kind of physical laws that we talk mm-hmm. about and when i say physical laws i mean of laws of physics mm-hmm. um that let's face it most of the time any any physicist worth their salt is spending their time bending and breaking them all the time Mm. um but again it comes down to level of understanding in my opinion uh, of kind of like where you're actually at will depend on your level your level of understanding of the process Mm. which will in turn dictate the effectiveness of the impact you're able to make Mm. and i think as as, as practitioners particularly that's what happens is people are operating at their level Mm. and they need to stop looking at what other people are doing as a measure of how well they are doing in order to actually understand like it's good to look at other people's practice very very good look at as many different kinds of practice as possible What's, what's difficult is for them to then measure themselves against it as mm. some kind of rule of thumb when actually you're going to have to work this out yourself because the limitation that's put on you is by your perception of what's possible.
0: Mm.
1: Nine times out of ten. Is, that is the limiting factor that happens in your practice. You aren't capable of thinking big enough in order to find a new way, a new, um, a new direction to take or a new approach that might be necessary, a blessing in disguise.
0: So let's peel it back a little bit to just the blessing part of the blessing in disguise, because we understand disguise, but do we even really understand a blessing? Are we all on the same page about a blessing? you know because a blessing dependent you know you could use that in a bunch of different contexts so there's the idea that you give someone your blessing which is kind of like an agreement to a certain extent what that means i think it depends on the person that's giving the blessing because for some i've seen blessing i give you my blessing means i'm not going to get in your way i'm not necessarily going to help you i'm just not going to get in your way you know um and then you also see ble- blessings as someone was blessed with something, so whether it be something from the gods or whether it be something from their family, uh, that person was blessed with a very pretty face and, an eight, and a hash- half inch cock, That is that a blessing? Was that really given? Is that a blessing or is that just kind of happened? You know, blessing kind of implies that you're actually consciously giving it, doesn't it? You're giving them yes. someone their, your blessing. So a blessing in disguise, presumably that's something positive, something good that's happening in something that you wouldn't expect. Yeah. Like the, not all Not necessarily good, friend. not necessarily bad. Yeah. Our good Christian friends say uh the Lord works in mysterious ways and such. And yet mm. if they're not comfortable with how the Lord is a working, it's from the devil, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs>
1: again perspective has a lot to answer for perspective does have a lot to answer for
0: okay so wrapping up in the last minute or two what would your definition of a blessing be if we put you on the spot
1: a blessing specific in In
0: this context or just in general? I think in different contexts. I mean, how many different ways can you think of using a blessing which isn't necessarily the same? Because, again, I've said, like, a gift or I've Mm. said, like, an agreement to a certain extent. I don't know if there's any others, technically. There's, like, the whole pagan thing where they bless people, like a ritual type thing. What's that, like, a fucking good luck spell or something? I'm not sure.
1: Okay. So, yeah, so there there were kind of the almost religious aspects of blessing, Um, like you say, or the ritual idea of blessing. Mm. Um, There is, like you say, a gift. Um, Anything unexpected really, to me, Mm. is so something additional to um, what I put in. So an unexpected addition So regardless of whether or not that is necessarily, um, it doesn't need to be a blessing in the sense of something good. It Mm. just needs to be unexpected, Mm. but in a a somewhat positive slant. So, you know, oh, well, somebody turned up to help me do this. So I now get an extra hour left at the end where I can do something else that I wasn't expecting to do. Or suddenly... um, that piece of work has been cancelled so i know i'm not going to suddenly have an easier day Mm -hmm. um like to me those are the kind of blessings that i'm not expecting um the in disguise aspect is where those those kind of start to be different isn't it Mm -hmm. so when that that disguise part suggests that you are surprised by it Mm. or weren't expecting it so you know a blessing in disguise a lot of the time is kind of like you know oh such and such person died but here's here's a a a nice big inheritance you know or a um i was going the long way around but on the long way around i've just met these two people that um were able to sort out a different problem that i wasn't expecting you know lift that
0: kind of... down and you got stuck in the lift for an hour but you got stuck in the lift with your future husband or wife or someone
1: yeah yeah and like i yeah. say i think a lot of people put those those kind of special moments to them don't they
0: mm. what about blessing as an insult then because we're all about the insults. so like when you say Oh, bless your little cotton socks! When you say something like that to someone that says something adorably stupid, is that really a blessing? People say "bless you," like well, when you no. shit like that as well. That's like superstition and shit.
1: Yeah, so a, a blessing in that instinct is definitely superstition. There's no other other way for that. Bless your bless your heart mm. um, is is a phrase in language that is nothing to do with a blessing at all. Mm. Um, and that That is, you know, fully condescending bullshit, isn't it? As someone um, humouring you. Um, I think
0: you could probably trace it back, because if you think of religious blessings and blessings within ceremonies and that, that's probably been around for a while, which basically means that a blessing is a some form of spell casting where the spellcaster themselves cannot guarantee that it's going to fucking do anything. Like when you go off and in indiana jones and gets blessed by someone it's like we cannot guarantee that you go and you return in this sacred crystal to us that you're not going to die on the quest but we'll do a blessing rather than a protection because if we did a protection and you would die that means our protective powers are pretty shit whereas we just do a blessing it's kind of like yeah here we go here's a little bit of energy randomly directed your way i could see that evolving into ah you should bless the meek and the weak and then that kind Mm -hmm. of going more towards oh look this is some idiot bless the little idiot because they're going to need all the fucking help they can get to navigate life because they're such a fucking idiot bless his little cotton socks i don't know what the cotton socks things has anything to do with it maybe they've just got a sock fetish i don't know Bless, bless my aching heart is that one i think that's one i think that's
1: one yeah um yeah, I think you're probably right. I think it probably comes out of a, you know, and bless your cotton socks probably has some other meaning into it. I mm. uh, I wouldn't want to um stake my profession on on that, the actual etymology of that. You because could I imagine them.
0: curse the socks. So that for every time you wash your socks, one will not make it out of the washing machine or some such. So you're always one sock short of a pair. I curse thee so thee is always one sock short of a pair. That's a good (laughs) curse, isn't
1: it? Well, not in this day and age, because mismatching socks is supposed to be fashionable.
0: Mm. There is a legend of some sort of spirit that steals socks, but it seems to only affect teenage boys, so that they only seem to ever have one sock. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where it goes it takes it back to its lair which is under the bed I think (laughs) because monsters live under the bed don't they Chris
1: wow Wow. yeah
0: are you putting two and two together to make four or are you still thinking there's an actual monster under the bed (laughs) (laughs) that lives in tissue mountain <laughs> <laughs> there is
1: <laughs> there is a monster under the sock it's it's all those um potential abortions that was probably <laughs> my um, good
0: christian friends do look down on that sort of thing don't they? <laughs> there was something in the bible about that i remember being told it was a big no now the naive and sweet-minded Which will bless their little cotton socks now? Don't know what they're talking. Don't know what we're talking about. But it's all right. It can go over their little scatterbrained heads. The others are just wishing that we started to talk about something of substance again. So maybe we (laughs) should go on to talking about something of substance again. Have you got any substance you can offer up for us?
1: Um, Not under the bed, no. Not under the Um, bed. um, Normally, things I put under the bed is is because i don't have room to put them somewhere else um so going back to kind of blessing in disguise
0: Mm.
1: and moving away from the kind of word blessing Mm. and just generally thinking of okay gnostic you know um gnosis wise what are we actually talking about so you know um are we talking about a positive effect that we weren't expecting so that is that kind of when a a spell works better than we expected mm. or had uh an offshoot impact like you were working on money but that also um sorted a health problem at the mm. same time like are we looking in it from that point of view or are we saying like you say um in this sub um the sub title for this one of kind of working in an unconventional way Mm. so that you know you actually because i think some some of our mentees and people that we meet have a struggle with the doing a nasty things
0: doing the nasty
1: no as in doing nasty things so so Um, baneful magic
0: Why the hell are they listening to us then? We're much more uh, balanced than just doing good or bad
1: Well, I know, but they have a very coloured way of looking at things, so Mm. we're often kind of see us when we're talking about doing something fausty Mm. they're not seeing the kind of hex to heel process, or they're not actually seeing that throwing good things good intentions um you know what's that saying the
0: road to hell is paved with good intentions
1: that's the one i was after
0: and on the way to on the highway to hell there's a little chef with a really bad hygiene rating
1: i don't think our our uh, friends across the pond will understand that reference Do they not know what a little chef is they have them in in the us don't they i don't think so oh they 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 they'd have a wendy's instead they have
0: diners don't they diners that's the thing in america i see them on all of the television shows like they go to have dates in diners and have frosty chocolate milkshakes and that Mm. i'd like to go to america and have a frosty chocolate or strawberry milkshake in a diner i think that would be proper american
1: why would you when they don't have real well.
0: chocolate? Oh, no, they don't have real chocolate, do they? Yeah, yeah that's true.
1: They have chocolate, a uh, chocolate coating. Or chocolate no, I've had savory. American chocolate before. It's very strange. It's, I suppose what it's all sugar. It's yeah, it's weird. Um, anyway, you've distracted the good. <laughs> so, the um, you know, road to hell paved with good intentions. So, that part. Is a bit I struggle with when these people who feel throwing all this good, good light and energy at a mm. problem,
0: mm.
1: kind of how they don't understand how that would potentially be feeding the problem.
0: Well, like cancer. Um, yeah.
1: Well mm. these when new ages feeding the
0: cancers by putting nice loving energy and as opposed to what kind of like chemo energy send some chemo energy towards the tumor it might do some better obviously you can do be supportive of the rest of the body but kind of you need to destroy the bad bit
1: but that's even that is part of my problem is Mm. they don't have a rounded enough view in order to realize that you know like when we talk about herbal ointments you know you've if you you've got something that needs to attack it but nature abhors a vacuum mm. so you need to remember that obviously there needs to be something to support the healing process afterwards mm. so you know yeah. or like you say someone throws general healing a- en- energy at something without targeting it in some way shape or form mm. and therefore kind of like you know these kind of the opposite really which is a blessing in disguise that's actually a problem, mm. um, rather than a blessing in disguise being the actual good coming out of a bad thing. Um, the opposite is also true when people mm. throw um, open open gestures at something um, where they think they're blessing. And they're actually doing damage.
0: Hmm. Well, there's a blessing in disguise in the fact that it's a bad thing that happens, but it prevents a worse thing from happening. So if I get a flat tyre before I go over the bridge to go to Wales. Hmm. But if I did go on that bridge, the bridge fell down and I would have died or something like in that Mothman film. Right. That's a blessing in disguise because immediately is bad like a flat tire is not good is it but if it prevents you from actually dying on a horrendous accident on a bridge or something like that then that would be a blessing in disguise and that's kind of where i see things like terminology like that used but that would be potentially how a protective spell might actually manifest so some forms of protection and stuff have seen manifest in things like that where it has to cause a change in the storyline and because magic takes its easiest route, maybe it's just easier for something bad to happen to stop you rather than something good to happen, you know?
1: Ultimately, it it still
0: completed its goal, didn't it? It still completed its goal at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, it depends on how a spell like that would work as well, because you could essentially get the, oh, I'm getting a diversion or I'm getting An impression, like I've had an impression where no, I need to not complete this journey, I need to not go to that place I'm going to now, like an overwhelming feel that I shouldn't do that. Um, Whereas then there's the other things, which is actually a physical thing that prevents you, which protective spells. When you do them on mundanes and stuff that's normally how they would operate because a mundane isn't going to be true to their psychic ability because their psychic develop ability is a basically like a spiritual potato aren't they they're not really going to pick up on that so they need to be physically prevented so a protective spell like that is going to physically prevent them or physically prevent the thing from uh, you know attacking them or something like that i don't know if we can milk this for any more that's an in disguise. <laughs> Snow White's apple, like that's the opposite, isn't it? Because you've got something that's nice that's actually filled with something nasty. So that is a curse in disguise,
1: I suppose, mm. isn't it? But equally, you could probably call it a blessing in disguise in the sense that if she wasn't, you know, immobilised in mm. the middle of a in a forest. Uh, would the would the prince have found her?
0: Who mm. so was the evil witch queen? The word the goody in all of this, then? After all, no, or not? You, you it's wonder. all about the intention, Chris, and I don't think she had the intentions for it all to work out very well. But that it makes an interesting point. If you were to do magic on someone or on a situation or something like that, and it all work out in the end, although it didn't take the route you thought is that you being successful there's a success there but how successful is the practitioner how would you judge someone on that
1: it's one of those passing grade ones isn't it it's like oh well i'd give you a c because it all turned out all right in the end but Mm. you're never going to get those a stars and you know or those double a's or whatever it is um However, they I think they score with numbers now. Everything's a one or a six. Yeah. Um but you just kind of like I think in those moments it's like, well, okay, well it turned out okay, but that wasn't how you planned it, was it? Um I'm like those math papers. I want to see you working out. Um oh, wow. and I'll I give see. you more I give you more points for the working out than I'd rather you have a botch spell. Um that you can recognize your faults um than one that accidentally worked well because you're not going to necessarily learn anything from a spell that accidentally went well um as much as well at least you're not going to learn as much as you would from a spell that went wrong um but you can tell why why it went wrong ah if
0: you do five spells say you do some money magic spells you do those five spells you do the first one and it goes wrong you relook at it and do another one and it goes wrong you relook at that and do another one another one and you tweak things and eventually it works on number five or six you've really really learned something there you've probably learned a hell of a lot more than the person that did it right in the first place mm. because you've developed an ability to actually fix things that go wrong that's amazing
1: and some and sometimes it's not good for you which Mm. will shock which will shock some of them listening like it's not good to be a natural Mm. because in a lot of ways you having to deal with kind of challenge uh, and when things aren't going wrong uh, when things aren't going right you learn so much in that process that you understand why something happens um, will give you a better understanding. Whereas Mm. someone who has the kind of overpowered naturalness Mm. um, often will mean that a spell that shouldn't have worked, worked. Mm. And you'll ride on that and you'll learn bad practice by the fact that it's always gone well. Well, when I've done Mm. it before, you're like, well, why did it work in those Mm. times that it shouldn't have but people don't stop to look at something that went well Mm. we only criticize the ones that go badly
0: yeah i mean a lot of the naturals they get stuck really really easily like really easily whereas the the hard gainers or the you know the um, non-natural ones the tryhards and that they make very slow but very consistent progress. So it was very yeah. slow but consistent. Whereas the naturals it's because they have to get out. Because then the the people that have to really fight for everything, every tiny little bit of, you know, experience, um, ability all of like that that they have to fight for and really understand and take it apart and rebuild it and all that natural just waves their hand and that because they're in the right mood at the right time to do the right sort of magic which they've got naturally because they're tuned into that um and then all of a sudden don't work and then they throw their rattles at the pram and then they can't go back because you'd have to at that stage stage you're all three steps ahead of everyone else potentially but you have to take those two steps back And they do not want to take those two steps back. They want to carry on making progress at the level they're at. And they actually need to take a step back and relearn things. They need to relearn how to do stuff that they can snap their fingers with and do it really easily. But they need to relearn how to do that in a more potentially like a more mercurial way or a different approach. And that's how it actually works. That's how the process works. This is the sort of shit people should be writing down and underlining. Because if you can do magic and you can do it really, really easily, when you get to the point where you're able to find magic that you cannot do, how do you know how to learn it? How do you know how to progress on it? Yeah. If you relearn or learn how to do some sort of magic that you already know how to do in a new way,
1: Mm.
0: then you're halfway there because you've already to a certain extent got the answer to you. you've got the confidence of knowing that you can do the spell how it works and stuff like that you're just really learning a new form of it whereas to give them something brand new that they cannot do that's when naturals that are used to basically be given everything on a plate and just tuning into the right frequency at the right time and being completely unable to explain that to anyone else they don't fucking know. They just know. I just know when to do this. Well, oh, I just know. Blah, 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 blah. I just put this and that and the other, and I smear it everywhere at the right time and all that kind of thing. Like, what? What? How much of that did you use? When did you do that? What day was it? What moon face was it in? Unless you've got the mercurial, lot, the tryhard that sort are of like writing that shit down. Like, oh, I'll try it on that day because it worked for such and such. Like now, now you don't understand. But there we go. We're going to go off on a tangent then talking
1: about that. No, about... like I, what that makes me think about is where, you know, I had a new I had a new teacher um, in one of my sessions this morning, uh, this week. And um, I was explaining and I was say like we were just kind of reminiscing about mm. different things that we had done. And I pointed out like I've done in terms of weaving, I've done next to no weaving in the last two years.
0: Mm.
1: but i've learned more about my practice in these last two years than i've learned in the last 10 Mm. by helping others through it Mm. um and actually solving problems i actually not always out of them will have come up to myself but my understanding of my craft allowed me to understand how to fix the problem Mm. and that's what you gain from having that experience like you know and in that moment it's okay it's not i i did weaving once and now Mm. i'm an expert i've Mm. done weaving over and over again for years which means Mm. that and what they what they fail to understand is like okay well in this last year how many spells have you done oh i did one one candle money spell uh Mm. one um one grigri for luck one you know what i mean and like they couldn't I haven't done enough of them to really understand, well, actually, was that a better match because it was a candle spell? Mm. Why was that better? Why did that work? Because they don't tend to question the wins. Mm. So the more of them you've had, or the more failures you've had ideally in some ways is going to lead to better learning potentially. What's important is you do as much experiencing as possible, which, you know, goes back to our usual for every 10 hours you spend reading, I want 11 hours of you practicing. Mm. Um, And where people struggle with that is they think that means we mean 11 hours of making, you know, doing magic. Mm. Were you sitting and and analyzing what, how you fucked up the last one If you spent 11 hours figuring out a spell you did 10 years ago, um, why it worked, why it didn't work, that to me is still a productive 11 hours of witching mm. because you learned something from it. You mm. actually weren't reading a book. You were figuring out the alchemical response of, of how something happened.
0: Or well, you figure something out for yourself rather than trying no. to, you know, convert it to memory from someone else's words essentially
1: yeah hmm. what i don't mean and this is the other one where others go is you spending 11 hours writing dis- different recipes you're never actually going to do like you know hmm. someone will kind of go oh well I, I spent 11 hours planning three spells i'm never going to do like that that is the wasted time Mm. because unless you've tested it in some way shape or form you've got nothing to reflect on afterwards and i think it's it's that reflective practice that people don't spend their time doing because Mm. there you would learn well that was a blessing in disguise but why did it happen why was that why was that a part of the process at all because i didn't put it in um and you'll learn more about the the direction or the um, the pathway that magic mm-hmm. will take by the offshoots that happen. Mm-hmm. You'll actually learn more about that, you know, from the unexpected parts. You'll learn more than you do from the actual completed spell. So, well, actually, what what happened that you weren't expecting? Now, explain those things because it shouldn't be in disguise next time. It should be purposely designed. Hmm. But then you'll go and do a different kind of spell and you'll have new disguised parts. Hmm.
0: It's one of the things that I like about witchcraft, both from the you know, witch's perspective, from my perspective of seeing other witches, magical people work, but also to a certain extent from pop culture and from folklore and stuff is the, uh, what nowadays is called professionalism, right, is a bad thing. Um, How they work, how they go about doing something. So that there, nowadays there's this idea of professionalism, which you get in a lot of customer facing businesses and such like that, which is basically professionalism is cold, clinical, with a plastic smile is not about actual interaction because with actual interaction there's always risks that come with offending someone or your personality or their personality being unprofessional or you not liking them or them not liking your personality or what you're talking about or the way your interaction making someone else uncomfortable and such like that within magical practice and such what I like about the witches is they tend to go all on their own way of working, the way that they want to work. They decide how they want to approach situations, such like that. And there's a, some calm, cool, and collected people, but then there's also people that like to do a little bit of a naughtiness and fuckery. And that's all good. I like that. I dislike some of the professionalism that we're seeing particularly in big corporate environments and such like that nowadays, which takes away from the personality of actual real life people that you're not allowed to be yourself to a certain extent. And it's gone beyond being necessarily rude now because it's unprofessional to be rude, but it's unprofessional to take a risk to interact with anyone by calling them their first name, for example, rather than Mr or Mrs such and such. You know, I don't know. That.
1: I think that I think there's the there's the, the clinical version of professionalism. Mm. Um, and then there is the, you know, ideal. And mm. the ideal is actually somewhere in between, which is that, you know, your customers by name, mm. but they don't know your business. Mm. So that's that's the difference is i think professionalism in its true sense is about boundary Mm. it's about where is the professional boundary within whatever industry that you're in so you know um and that will vary depending on whether or not you work for mcdonald's Mm. um or if you're a lawyer or Mm. if you're a prostitute those mm. all will have different boundaries that are acceptable
0: well none of them kiss on the lips
1: but there will be there will still be a professionalism that occurs as a prostitute mm. that may involve them never really knowing your real name yeah. um that is a a professional boundary that is necessary yeah. um Whereas, you know, at McDonald's, they're all expected to know your name and it's supposed to be on your badge. Mm. And there's a number of stars next to it that tells you how nice you've been to people this week. <laughs> um, whereas you could go into a lawyer's office and you'll be expected to only refer to them by, like you say, their surname. Yeah. And you are going to be addressed as as Mr. or Mrs. whatever, uh, you know, Joe Block, uh, you know. Where the it is inappropriate to know mm-hmm. the person's Christian name for mm-hmm. lack of a better word, um, all of those are social construct- constructs of what professionalism looks like,
0: mm-hmm. and it
1: is governed by the industry that you are in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most professionalisms work on the basis that you don't sleep with clients, mm-hmm. but you couldn't be a successful. Uh, you couldn't be a successful hooker if or prostitute if you weren't sleeping with your clients, um, mm. you know, but there will be and rules. You would get that nowhere modern in it.
0: industry, would you, if you didn't sleep with the photographers?
1: <laughs> I'm saying nothing. Right. Um, you know, but there is. But equally, that would be frowned upon in terms of professionalism. Mm. Because you would be there, you would be accused of all sorts if everybody knew you were sleeping with all the all the photographers. So mm. it's it's one of those things where there is always a public and a private face, and depending on which which of the what industry you're in, which it is professional to share.
0: Mm.
1: But. Um, in witchcraft
0: we don't have a professional body or anything and we cannot be struck off for doing things that we want to do in the way that we want to do them i mean it's not the same for like a therapist or anything like that that can be struck off or they have professional guidelines and stuff and i think sometimes they can keep people safe some of these guidelines and stuff like that but sometimes there's often something missing and i think for witchcraft magical practice is being one of the last remaining is an emergency thing isn't it most people don't go to the witch for their first port of call but given that we're at the end of the line it would be really bad if suddenly there was some kind of witchcraft and witching witching whizzing gamut or something like that like some sort of witchcraft government or something like that where we all had to start abiding to a professional practice and such like that i think that would be the day i have to retire
1: (laughs) and i think ultimately it'll never be it will never come because ultimately it's something you've you know you've got to choose to believe in Mm. Um, and for lots of people they're never going to cope with the fact that actually well it doesn't exist really though does it Mm. they're happy to buy the service in order to at a chance at getting what they want but they're not going to ever fully buy into the process whereas there are you know there are regulations that go too far and there are places that don't regulate so Mm. you know prostitution would be a lot of a safe a safe to a safer profession if there was legislation for it
0: well i mean it's not illegal in the uk but it's also not part of the culture is it like it is in other places so you look at Hamsterdam or somewhere like that it is way different mm. right well I suppose we'll end talking about prostitutes so if there are any prostitutes listening hello and if you are wondering whether said person is a prostitute if their first name starts with the like a car name or a flower or something like that then the chances are they is a hoe is that right Chris is that how the rule goes?
1: I don't know you have to be careful these days in the you know people are in this kind of woke world people mm. like to name them after inanimate objects so
0: mm. you know
1: got to flip a coin nowadays to know if they're just a child of some idiot or if they've actually made a professional choice
0: are there any woke prostitutes?
1: I'm sure there are. I imagine they're named things like Sunshine. Uh, or, okay, you know.
0: If anyone knows of any woke prostitutes, feel free to mention in the comments and such. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone, and should I say blessed be? Because we're talking about blessings Ooh. today. No, I'll say light and dark blessings be upon you.